0: Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, We have our usual panel as normal, uh, which means, I mean, usual, normal. We're even being redundant today. We've got Adam. Uh, Very redundant. What's up, guys? Adam
1: Barnhart. Twitter, at Adam Barnhart.
0: And chowing down, we've got Rhiannon.
2: Hey guys, you can find me on the Twitter as Brooklyn Wallace at Brooklyn MND.
0: And I'm Caleb Borchers. You can find me on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we want to encourage you to subscribe to us on YouTube at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, also, check out the second podcast in our Marvel Newsdesk family. That's AP Marvel. Uh, this week, I think, will probably be part two of their uh, deep look at the shared universe model and how that has worked out. Uh, For the MCU Uh, I've got a lot of stuff here at the top of the show So I'm going to try to get through it quick Um, First of all, content wise I've been out of the loop But you guys have been doing some really fun New kind of videos, right? Uh, You found some new ways To give people our stuff
1: I haven't done Any of it I haven't been doing anything I'm kind of out of the loop too That's all Rannon's
2: life has been sucked away By making little snippet videos of our podcast So what I predict is that you'll see, like, tons of them this week and next, and then um, I'll never make them again.
0: But it's cool. It, like, kind of transcribes what we're talking about as we're doing it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So So I'll post little snippets so that people can see, you know, oh, what's interesting this week? Why should I even bother listening to the podcast? And it has, like, transcriptions, so if you're like me and you're on Twitter at work and you don't want to listen to it, That provides some transcription. Probably very poorly uh, edited because I suck as an editor. Um, But yeah, some cute little snippets. So a lot of people were really interested in our Chris Booster interview. So if any of you guys still haven't listened to when we had Chris Booster on the podcast both times, um, you should get back and check that out.
0: Yeah, if timestamps are still too difficult to navigate... Uh, This is even easier. You just go to the one you want. So check out our Twitter and um, I think at least Twitter and Facebook, social media, and you'll see where we post these kind of things. Uh, Also, I'm starting an MCU rewatch with my oldest kiddo, and I'm going to do a video series about it, but I still can't make up my mind what I want to do. So if you're one of our listeners and you have an idea of what you would like to hear out of a video series about uh, an MCU rewatch... Uh, Tweet at me, Caleb A. Borchers Tweet at the show, Marvel News Desk Uh, I would love some tips on that Because I'm still not sure exactly where I want to go with it Um, Also, there's a couple things I want to mention up the top of the pod Um, One of them I became aware of last week And uh, I talked about a little bit on Twitter But I wanted to take a second to mention it here Uh, I was listening to Collider Heroes and Ashley Robinson was on there And she talked about this cool program they are doing with Operation Gratitude to send comics to um, American military families. So uh, if you're one of our listeners here stateside and you would like to do something kind of to support the troops, and to me, even more importantly, to support like kids of military kid uh, people who are all around the world, uh, this is a really cool program. The best place to look at it, uh, go to Twitter and check out at, at Ashley V. Robinson, she's Um, pinned her tweet at the very top of her page, uh, explains all the details on how you can donate, but the idea is it's real simple. You can get one of those medium flat rate boxes from the post office and you can buy a bunch of comics or take a bunch of lightly used ones. You've got your house, toss them in the box, put them on the address that they ask you to put it on. Uh, They ask for like PG comics uh, because it might end up in kids' hands and you can send comic books to uh, kids and um, Of military people and military people all over the uh, world and it's real simple real easy to do and it's just kind of a way particularly with Veterans Day happening this week it's a cool way to kind of say thank you to those kinds of people so I thought that was really cool you can check that out it's super easy and I thought it was fun Uh, it's also a way to share your Marvel love you know uh, make sure that kids get lots of Marvel comic books in their hands Uh, that's pretty cool so I want to mention that uh, and also, I didn't really want to talk about this in the news, but um, if you have not heard uh, during these California fires, uh, Scott Derrickson, director of Doctor Strange, uh, has lost his home, as have many, 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 many people in California. And so uh, our condolences to you, Derrickson and his family and to everybody else who's dealing with that stuff. Um, and if you wanted to donate money to like, the LA Fire Department or some of these other people dealing with these disasters... Uh, That would be awesome, and that would be cool, because that is a really stinky thing that's going on.
2: I mean, let's face it. This podcast is going to be a whole lot of
0: (laughs) It is. It's not going up from here. No, the news. The news should be (laughs) fun. I think the news will be all right. (laughs) Uh, As Rhiannon mentioned, we are going to talk about Stan Lee as our main topic today. Uh, We won't put it in the news, because we'll talk about all that at the main topic. So, uh, Let's first of all jump into the news and, uh, I guess this is somewhat sad news to me. My mouse idea is not going to make me a billionaire. Marvel is not, uh, Disney is not going to pay me for that name because they've decided on Disney plus as the name of their streaming service. Uh, we also got, uh, people are calling it confirmation. I think we really knew that it would definitely get into Loki show and it definitely had Tom Hiddleston, but Disney mentioned that on their earnings call as something that's happening. I did find it interesting that the Scarlet Witch show and the Bucky Falcon show were not discussed on the earnings call. I guess they're just keeping it brief. Uh, what do you guys think of Disney Plus as a name? Uh, and was there anything else from that earnings call that you thought was interesting? You gotta, you gotta
1: have the uh, D word in the forefront, man. That's That's gotta be in there. I thought it was Disney Play. But no, it's not Disney Play, you know what I mean? It's it it seems it's it sounds so corporate-y, It sounds startupy and and all that stuff. At, in terms of Loki, I think places are calling it confirmation because this is the first thing Igers actually said or anyone for that matter. Um, and you kind of talked about that itself. He did bring up Scarlet Witch and Vision or Falcon and Winter Soldier so and then Hiddleston posted on Twitter like the very next day the little tease or something about more stories needing to be told
2: I'm still super hyped about a Loki series um Disney Plus sounds like a I mean let's face it they could call it anything I mean Disney Channel was already taken Disney On Demand is too boring they needed it to be something simple um but I mean Disney Plus is a pretty boring title. Not gonna keep people from watching it.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally true. Um the ESPN, their service that they've already created is called ESPN Plus. And so I guess it makes sense from a branding side. Uh and well I never thought about it, but Hulu's got a Hulu Plus too, don't they? Isn't that what they call their like premium version or whatever? So Uh, As you said, it's all about the content. They also announced there's going to be a Cassian Andor show for Star Wars, which if you are not a big Star Wars fan, you're probably going, who? And yep, that's pretty much how that goes. So uh, I'm interested to see how deep they can go. I mean, I think on the Star Wars side, I'm already feeling like, I don't know if I care about that. So... I wonder how many of these uh, shows they can create on this for Marvel before it's going to feel like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, but thus far, I think we're excited.
1: I mean, you you essentially write yourselves into a corner when you do these prequel things, right? Like, you know how this Cassian guy kicks the bucket and you knew Han Solo kicked the bucket? I don't know. Then again, I'm a bit demented and think things don't carry weight unless someone dies.
0: You, know, you say that, but all the Marvel shows are for characters that are dead currently, too. So that's kind of. Uh, but I mean, Scarlet Witch, and Vision are coming
1: back. You know, Falcon and Winter Soldier are coming back. I mean, Loki. It, that doesn't necessarily have to be a prequel, and if it is,
0: I've already crap talked the Loki series, anyways. So. All right, going on to our next bit of news. Um, we'll see if Adam can behave himself on this. Uh, over the weekend, we got some uh, concept art. Uh, that I just made quotation marks uh, for Avengers Four, which showed "quote unquote" quantum suits for the whole team. Uh, there was immediately much vigorous Twitter conversation about how real or how fake these are. Uh, Rhiannon, uh, let, let's let, let's let you uh, open us up, and then Adam can start to charge <laughs> charge himself up for what's coming. What did you think of these "quote unquote" leaks? Um,
2: so I was a little tainted because. I never even really saw the pictures. I only saw everybody's outrage over if they were leaked, if they were fake, if they were real, what they were. So I think it was more interesting to watch that unfold than looking at the pictures themselves. When I saw the pictures, okay, they're in quantum suits. Meh. Um, I kind of enjoyed the uh, drama more than that, which I think might be a bad thing. So let's just get straight to Adam's thoughts
0: yeah Adam, give us drama man. Nah, what are you thinking? <laughs> I was just gonna say no comment
1: <laughs> I don't have a comment on the scenario it, it is what it is people think they got they know what they're talking about you know but I don't if let's say this if the if these white quantum suit pieces of concept art are real. I need to find out how to become a concept artist at Disney because these are very, very bad photoshops at best. Like, entry-level photoshop work at best. And if someone got paid to do that as a concept artist, sign me up.
0: Yeah, I, my immediate thought was these are, are not real. Um, because they they just look weird. The weirdest one to me is Iron Man. Like... The idea that Iron Man would have a red and gold suit more or less, uh, with the exception of some of the different Mark suits that they had in Iron Man 3, right. But like generally speaking, they've never taken him out of the red and gold. And the idea that like he would create he would like be in this quantum suit that's all like red, white, and blue, and then keep the red and gold helmet on top of that seems really dumb to me. Like it just doesn't look like anything Starks created before. His nanotechnology would seem capable of handling going to the quantum zone, I would think. And then beyond all of that, um, the helmet is very clearly an earlier Mark helmet. Like they made some important aesthetic decisions that I didn't realize till this weekend when I started like deep diving this. But um, the shape of like the red—I keep calling it the widow's peak because I don't know what else to call it—but like where the red comes down on his forehead. That shape is very different in Infinity War than any of the previous stuff. And also in Infinity War, the red um, on the sides of his mask come all the way to the corner of the eyeballs on the mask. And that's both in Infinity War and in the what we know is real um, Avengers 4 concept art. So the idea that all those have that helmet, but this is real and it's got a previous helmet from like three, three suits ago seems dumb to me like I just don't think that's super likely I think it's far more likely that somebody saw a toy leak from Thor and Rocket Raccoon that may be real and they're like oh what if we did it for everybody and so they photoshopped themselves up something to get themselves a little like two seconds of internet fame and that's my guess (laughs) who would try exploiting the
1: internet for a brief stint of fame no one ever right
0: Gabriel Luna that's who no, sorry. That's not fair, Gabriel. Sorry. <laughs> I was just reflecting the other day about how Ghost Rider, like, he was like, oh, it's going to happen. We're going to have a TV show. Come on. Tweet at me. Get it happening. And nothing's ever happened with that character.
2: The thing is, even if this concept art is real, then it doesn't mean that it's going to show up in the show. I mean, in the movie. Like, we've seen plenty of times after the movie's come out. I mean, let's just say if it is real, which... Unlikely, But if it is, there's plenty of times that after the movie comes out, there's tons of concept art of things that they considered, but didn't do. So, I mean, even if this concept art is real, it doesn't mean we're going to see it in the movie.
1: Right. It sounds like you just gave someone an excuse to use on Twitter once it it ends up not being real.
0: Oh, that's... You know, like, here's the thing. At this point, we have some folks on Twitter who have been real, like, ridiculous. Like, nope, I know it. This is real. This is definitely going to be the title or the time that we'll get the trailer, whatever. And I'm just saying, if you play big like that, when you're wrong, I just hope that they take it on the chin. And they're like, yep, I got it wrong. Like, if they're going to be like, whoa, it was going to be used, but then because it leaked, they changed it. Like, don't give me any of that, you know? Like... If that's the way you're going to be, don't be all like, you know, bravado y and strutty. So.
2: Well, and the reality is, I mean, we know this. We know this has happened to previous news outlets. We know that sometimes Marvel is watching, they know what's coming out in the news, and we know they occasionally feed bad information
0: on purpose. Well, and they do change. I mean, like, I remember back... I think we can talk about this at this point. I mean, we knew people that saw audition tapes for a Shang-Chi role in an Iron Fist. Yes. And we know that at some point, somebody somewhere either chose not to put that character in the show or was denied access to that character or something. But they weren't, like, auditioning actors for that role just for kicks and giggles, you know, like things do change. That's fair. But I'm just saying as much, the more and more heavily you're like, this is right. The more and more you deserve to get called out on it. If it's not, that's all I'm saying. All right. uh, That hashtag show this week released some character rundowns for Black Widow. And at this point, those guys, I feel bad for those guys because they have done so good at predicting characters with their character breakdowns. That Marvel is not putting any content in the character breakdowns anymore. Uh, I mean, they got them, but it tells us so little. It tells us the main villain will be a uh, character in their 40s, a man, and the character will be, quote, exciting. (laughs) So good luck trying to guess who that is. Um, They sort of just randomly guessed at Red Guardian or Taskmaster. But I think they could have made that guess before these breakdowns. Uh, There's a role for a female spy type in the movie, and there's a couple of others, but again, I I didn't even write them down because they're so generic that it's really hard to get any details. Um, You talk about Marvel being aware of the news cycle. It appears that we're not going to get character rundowns anymore with any detail after reading this one. Uh, Is that how it looks to you?
2: Thanks, that Hashtag, guys.
0: Okay, that's all we've got to say. I, I'd like to talk about it more, but there really is nothing to glean from these, well, right? Yeah,
1: I, I mean, totally depend. I mean, I mean, like the CW, uh, when they send out their casting breakdowns and stuff, they actually like name who the character is in the breakdown, so you know what characters are coming up in the coming seasons. And then Marvel used to use like code names or something, like sharing the first initial or the initials were the same and now it's just totally the most obscure thing they could find male 40s excited like okay
0: well when Once... they did like Frank Castle for Daredevil I, I, I don't know if this one was one but like if they had given one back then they were doing things like oh this is uh, a character um, like w- w- character named Phil Right. They would just like take the like opening phonetic like thing like Frank would become Phil or if they're casting Jessica Jones, it'd be like Jennifer would be the name. And so you'd kind of like play that game and they actually like hashtag show did a great job like Carl Malice as the doc and Jessica Jones, too. They totally nailed that far before anybody knew what was going to happen there because they were able to like decipher those. But it does seem like over time they're getting less and less and less specific. With those details, so
2: Yeah, I think we saw that with Daredevil season three where they the FBI agent breakdowns. It was bullseye. And they had gone
0: and it was like,
2: Well, we think it might be Sin Eater.
0: Oh um, yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> they kinda missed I did see somebody like on Twitter, like not not calling anybody out, but it was just kinda like, I thought we were supposed to get a Sin Eater character in season three. Um, so people remember that, but, uh, I think around that point is when, yeah, FBI agent number two was actually bullseye.
0: So a minute ago, I said that when you talk a big game, you got to take the criticism. So I'm going to take the criticism. Venom made a heck of a lot of money in China and it really bums me out, but it did. It made like more money than any other solo superhero movie ever in the history of China. Um, I would like to at this point thank the people of China for keeping both Transformers and the Venom movies alive. Um, I just think it's safe to say that my movie tastes and that of the general Chinese public are apparently not very similar because movies that I really hate make lots and lots of money over there. Uh, But it has changed things. Uh, Last week I was talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. This movie is now ahead of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, In the international tally, I will note that if you take the worldwide gross, there is still a chance that Venom will make less money than all six previous Spider-Man movies, which you would hope Venom's a smaller property than that. But uh, Sony is still not making superior money on Venom that it did to the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which they canceled. I just assume it's cheaper to make. But
1: But they did still get two out of it. So, I mean, it's safe to say Venom's getting a sequel.
0: Yeah, it's going to get a sequel.
1: And depending on the sequel, I mean, please don't waste Woody Harrelson, man.
0: You mean Sideshow Bob?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they kind of sort of already did waste him. But, I mean, that's... They use him I think, in a, in a much better role. I mean, if if it's Venom versus Carnage, I think that would be a much more enjoyable movie than what we got. I don't know, hopefully. I guess maybe I'm just hoping instead of actually thinking it'll be better.
0: To be fair, I don't think you haven't, you still haven't seen Venom, have you? Oh, you I did. Okay,
1: okay. I have,
0: yes. Rhiannon, do you have any thoughts on the certitude now that we have that you're going to see Venom 2?
2: I enjoyed Venom, guys. So I'm, and I also I think the first movie in all of these series is so hard, doing a creation story and everything. It's just awkward. So the second movie has got to be better.
1: It can't be worse. I,
2: I should, Bob. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Only up from here. Yeah, I mean they did kind of have a challenge. There's not really. I mean, how are you going to have a Venom origin without Spider-Man and without Black Suit Spider-Man and kind of that Secret Wars, the original Secret Wars, um, you know, where Peter got the symbiote? It's, it's difficult. So you've got to at least applaud them for being creative with it. It's almost kind of like a Last Jedi type setup. You know, with Venom, I kind of feel like the anti-Ryan Johnson crew a little bit. It strayed too far from what I kind of expected. So I think that's my biggest criticism. But I mean, it's pretty objectively bad.
0: My mind immediately goes to what superhero movie has gotten better? Like, is there a movie that had a pretty crummy start that I really liked the sequel is what I try to think of in my head? the only thing that comes to mind quickly is the Thor movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, Ragnarok, I think everybody agrees is much better than the first two. And even then you still hated it. I didn't hate it, man. I just, don't it's like just not, I don't love it as much as oh, you do. It. It's one of the best. I know. So, but my thought is that's what I really want to see him do. Okay. If we're going to have venom, let's not bring Ruben Fleischer back. Um, I, I don't think the directing was incredible, Like, I would love to see somebody with a little more interesting, you know, take on the character come in and do it. Um, You know, I would like to see some kind of change up. I would hope, here's my real concern. I want Sony to go, hey, we got away with that. Let's go make it better. What would be really disappointing if Sony goes, hey, that did really well. Let's repeat everything that we did last time. Because if Venom 2 is just Venom 1 reheated, I don't think people are going to see it at the same amount. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe the international box office will save us making again. Should, they liked those yeah. Transformer movies. I just would like to see something We different. should
1: give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. You know, I mean, Morbius could be very good. I mean, what's the exception of Suicide Squad? Jared Leto's a pretty damn good actor. And Suicide Squad wasn't his fault whatsoever.
0: I think it was partially his fault. But, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Well, I don't know. He took the... the What do you call it? The method acting or the method surrounding it a little bit too far with the rats or animal body parts or whatever the hell he did. But I, I don't think... I don't think... I mean, it wasn't his decision to slap what a damaged tattoo on his forehead. I don't think that was his decision. Yeah,
0: I guess I just, I heard the same thing for venom one. Tom Hardy is such a great actor. There's no way that Tom Hardy will make a movie. That's not great because Tom Hardy is so great.
1: Who who the hell said that? I mean, Tom Hardy's best when he does it.
0: Well, Koi Jandro over at uh, Collider Heroes was one that very specifically said it. And we're going to call what, that name. What so. movies has
1: Tom Hardy been good in where he's actually talked? I mean, even... Even <laughs> what, The Dark Knight Rises? Or what was the third one? E- even... Exactly.
0: I don't, I don't know what they're exactly. talking I about. Mean,
1: it was very not even... He didn't talk that much as Bane. I mean, it was palatable. I mean, how much... I mean, Mad Max was good, but it wasn't really Tom Hardy. It's not like he's like, uh, I don't know. It's not like the world's best actor by any means.
0: Uh, just for the record, uh, if you are at Tom Hardy is the best forever or whatever Twitter handles uh, there are, send your hate mail to at Adam Barnhart. Because uh, this is one more do, fan base. Uh, so when do I, I get my soapbox moment on, I got a little... I got about half hour planned.
1: I, I need my soapbox to talk about these People's Choice Awards.
0: Uh, Alright, I, I won't it. even try. It's going to get so sad. We might as well do something funny. So, Adam, what do you think Ooh, about the People's Choice Awards? Lots so, of Marvel winners. Lots of Marvel winners. But
1: if Marvel didn't win it, guess who won it? Shadowhunters. I swear to God that every single award... Besides Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj won twice.
2: So, Adam, obviously you missed the Wynonna um, they, yeah, they did, They didn't even they broadcast did that. And they beat Shadowhunters.
1: They did it during commercial break. What? And they came back and they said, oh, the little blurb pops up on the TV. Oh, by the way, Wynonna Earp won, like, best sci-fi show. And they gave a shot of the cast just waving at the camera from their table. It was funny. <laughs> whoa,
2: whoa,
0: hold the phone. Hold the phone. You watched this? Yeah, <laughs> I watched it live. Yeah. Oh, you probably well, had to I, cover it, right? I had like, to cover like, it, yeah. Is for your job? It was, <laughs> yeah,
1: I was pumping out articles left and right. But the point is, I mean, thank goodness fans <laughs> don't vote for the Oscars or the Emmys or any awards that actually matter. Right? I, it, I mean, it, people's choice. I mean, the people make the decision. There's no way in hell Shadowhunters was the best TV show of 2018. There's no
0: way in hell to be fair. There are a lot of things that people choose that they seem to have been doing a bad job of choosing in recent years. Just saying
2: (laughs) democracy seems like a horrible (laughs) idea. Just saying
0: let's make Kevin Feige, the king of the country and just be done with it. Okay.
1: So that's, that's my little, but to be fair, also 50 shades free also was a finalist for best movie of the year. So, right, it was Infinity War, Black Panther, Incredibles two, and Fifty Shades Freed, I think.
0: Oh, I've got to stop doing facial responses because that's really not great podcast material. Um,
1: that's where we need a sound effects, like a sound effects board, like Randon's wah wah,
0: or the dude on the uh, crazy Irish show on Parks and Rec. I don't know. Yeah, his like. Name. The- the old like a sound for like your eyes bulging out your eyes. Right.
2: Cookie crisps. Okay, so so best movie went to Infinity War,
1: War yes. And they actually had people there to uh, collect the award.
2: That's exciting.
1: No, uh, it. Scarjo and Denai Guerrera and Clementius And... Okay.
2: And denied won she her She won own award,
1: action right? star of the year, and Scar Jo won female actress of so the year. Female star of the year, and Chadwick Boseman won really? male of the year. And
0: not male of the year, male actor of the year. Male. He <laughs> is not just male. generally the best man, man of, the, of the, year the year. No,
2: no sexiest man alive. However, went to okay. It wasn't a People's Choice Award, but it just sexiest Elba. man alive. Idris Elba.
1: So yeah, Watch, Marvel's winning mean, stuff all over the place. About how 2018 was going, I figured we'd get someone worse than Blake Shelton, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh man, this year's going to be bad.
0: But... So uh, along these lines, also um, Marvel put up a new for your consideration um, page for uh, Infinity War for the Oscars. And they're push- pushing Infinity War for like 11 categories. Uh, most in, uh, It's interesting. Most of them are technical, like sound design and visual effects and costume and all that stuff. Uh, but they're actually pushing the Russos for best director, which I thought is smart. I think it really is an incredible accomplishment, the way that they balance so many characters and stories and stuff. Um, I'd love to see the Russos get a nom for directing. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Coogler more likely, but it's interesting.
1: I you know what, I think I bet you the Black Panther at least gets nominated for Best Picture. I think they'll get a nomination.
0: I think so too. I think it would be even better if they hadn't put the movie out in February, but
2: when do the nominations come out? I'm Googling. I'm not even trusting you guys to know this. It'll thing. be like
0: five AM, like January twentieth. That's my prediction. Let's see how close I am.
1: <laughs> that's
2: like the week of the Oscars, isn't it? It's like the week of So the Oscars are on February twenty fourth. So I think Caleb is close to being right. I don't see it didn't come up in like the first five words when I Googled and that's my attention span.
0: I'm just gonna claim it as a victory, and if it's wrong, don't add us. I wanna be right. So uh moving on to our next bit of news. <laughs> right right after you did your little tangent about taking
1: <laughs> <around> the <laughs> yeah, on the
0: chin. Yeah, taking on the chip. Exactly. Hey man, do as I say, not as I do. a uh, little bit of tiny Captain Marvel news this week. Uh the Captain Marvel preview comic came out, and uh apparently the reason Nick Fury is waiting for uh uh to page Carroll is because she is his last resort and he only wants to kind of break in case of emergency Uh, Feige has said that the Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, run of Captain Marvel will be their main inspiration and also uh, the movie will take place in 1995 specifically Uh, any of that interesting to you guys?
1: Were you going to talk about the same piece of info in the same interview as the Kelly Sue DeConnick?
0: stuff Oh, I must have missed it. Go for it.
1: Oh, he yeah, the Eternals is for sure happening. That was another uh confirmed thing. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something about how he's excited to do Eternals or Yeah, I do that
0: have true. that. Sorry. He
2: likes oh. he likes that I don't know what the Eternals are. Yes, correct. He likes the idea of bringing a property that um that that people don't really like But he, he said they're
1: doing it, though, right? There was something in there where...
2: Yeah. Yeah, like, they were just talking about it as if it was a known, sure thing.
0: And I I do like his comment. I mean, he's he basically said, you know, Guardians was that way. Nobody knew what that was, and that was very successful for us. Um, I forget this, and I know I shouldn't, but I heard somebody this week make a really smart comment that Nobody really knew who Iron Man was when they made it. I mean that sounds crazy to us now, but the vast majority of the American public didn't know, you know, Iron Man from Drax the Destroyer when they first started working on production of that. And so the idea that this is something that's unknown shouldn't surprise us, and they have proven that unknown is good for Marvel Studios. Cause there's no weight you know, like if anything, the question is gonna be is X-Men too known for Feige to do you know, I'm sure that's a topic we can talk about like in the future, but uh, the fact that Eternals is not known, I think, is an advantage to them that they can make what they want of it, and they don't have to worry about expectations, as we talked about last week. So, Also, I made it through that Neil Gaiman run, Adam, and they still haven't gone to space. All the stuff is on Earth. Yeah, I don't know why people keep calling it cosmic, because it really isn't. But So back to that Captain Marvel news, did you guys find anything interesting out of uh, any of that stuff? These uh, prelude comics are hot
1: and cold. I mean, Infinity War had nothing in their prelude at all. But now this actually has some content. Like, both of the Guardians 2 preludes were Guardians 1 in comic form. Um, so, so I like it when they do that, when they uh, put a little something-something in there. It feels like it's worth at least $3.99 or $4.99 or whatever the hell comics are nowadays.
0: No man, I did it for Infinity War. Never again. You're not stealing my money just to give me a recap of the last movie I watched.
2: I like the idea, like the concept. I, but, yeah, I don't expect to see much there.
0: If they are gonna use the Deconic run, we probably should do our our, our book reading club again. That kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, but uh, partially because that was a very not listened to episode. So. If you really like the book club, let us know listeners, cuz it seems like you didn't really listen to that episode very much at all. Um the other thing I thought was f- um kind of dumb about this, this idea that like Nick Fury was keeping the Marvel bu- like buzzer until like the worst possible moment. Why was why was this the worst moment? Like, why does he know in the instant that he started to feel the snap that he's got to call her, but when aliens were pouring out of the sky, he didn't have to call her. Like, I don't really understand that. Does that make sense to you? Or is that just kind of like,
1: no, yeah, no, totally on board. How did he know this was the, this was the one and not aliens or a bunch of Ultron machines, you know? they Maybe they'll explain it And there was some reason Why she was unavailable Or maybe he did press the button then And she's incapacitated Or something um, But if they don't explain that yeah, That will be kind of weird They'll get
0: AT&T or somebody to sponsor them And then they'll blame it on the other company Like AT&T gives them a million dollars And will be like Well I sent the message up with the alien invasion <laughs> But Sprint dropped my text <laughs> Nice. All right. Uh, a couple other quick things. Oh, uh, hit the Eternals thing. So the only thing I have left. Uh, I saw an article today that Sebastian Stan claims that he doesn't really know if he's in Avengers 4 or not. Do you think that's possible?
2: Oh, totally. I, I, I think, well, one, I think they all know how important it is not to share any of those details. And, uh... To they um like i I thought it was you that pointed this out on Twitter. They do like intentionally hide things from all of the actors and have them film fake scenes and stuff, so maybe he filmed some scenes that he thought were fake
0: well, that's what I put on Twitter was like. At this point it's almost like this weird psychological like like terrorism that they're doing to the actors where they're like, You don't know what's real. I know I filmed that scene, but is that a real scene? What's going on? Did I even really do that? Did I get paid for the I I know. Not, you know, like I would imagine they're so like confused at this point.
2: Like if they filmed stuff, but it doesn't actually end up on screen. They still had to work the same amount. Like, do they get paid? Adam, go to investigative journalism.
0: I'm sure none of them are hurting for pay, but
1: I mean, I, there. I mean, he's probably in it, but someone somewhere said that the people that didn't get as much screen time in Infinity War is going to get the most of the screen time in Avengers Four, right? I guess I'm kind of just looking into it since I mean, how many lines did Chris Evans even have in Infinity War? Like ten. So I mean I I kind I guess I've just been assuming this is, is going to be essentially, cap three and a half or whatever you want to call it. And it's going to be mostly focused on him and him and Iron Man. But
0: yeah, I think when you t- look at those things though, like it really does feel like Bucky could be the odd man out because Bucky was not really in Infinity War much to speak of and then he gets snapped. Like most of the people that got snapped had pretty significant parts in Infinity War. But he's the one guy like he has one scene where Black Panther's like, "Get ready, we're going to fight." And then he picks up Rocket and spins him around and then he gets snapped, you know, like that's basically the movie for him, so. But
2: that's about all there is of Black Panther, too.
0: Right. That's true.
1: That's the thing. I mean, they're going to have even more characters in Avengers War. Like Wasp is confirmed for Avengers War, right? And is it Valkyrie? Tessa Thompson was on set or something, or am I making that up?
0: Uh, I feel like I've heard that, but I'm not sure.
1: I guess it's so confusing now. I just, I just, it's like assume. I mean, we have a whole group of Asgardians still out there, and then a whole load of off-screen characters, you know, like Ned and Aunt May.
0: Yeah, it's also really hard because sometimes news outlets just get it wrong. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, they started, uh, like, Just Jared or somebody had shots from the Ant-Man and the Wasp set. So everyone's like, oh, confirmation that Ant-Man is in Infinity War. And I remember, like, I, several times, was like, I don't think he is. And everyone on was like, oh, yeah, he definitely is. I saw the photos. And sure enough, he's not, you know, like these, you know, those of us in the esteemed, uh, journalism, comic journalism business occasionally get these things wrong. So,
2: but not us,
0: (laughs) but not us. And if we did, don't talk to us about it. All right. (laughs) Our Pulitzer's in the mail, right? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Gotta be. All right, uh, that's all I've got for the news. Did you guys have anything else?
1: No, nah, I should go probably grab a beer before we get started on our main topic, though.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's wake time. It's all wake right, time. <laughs> <laughs> it's super a bummer, but we felt like I mean, there's there's nothing, there's no way we couldn't do this as our conversation. Uh, after 95 years, we lost Stan Lee this week, and we're gonna try to talk about it without like breaking into tears. Um. I it was for you guys. <laughs> Already the Kleenexes are there. I told our eight-year-old today, she watched uh, Iron Man last week, and I had to explain who Stan Lee was, so then today I had to tell her that he passed, and, like, she started crying, because that's the way she is. And she's like, but he was so funny, we need him. And I was like, yeah, I know. I kind of feel that way, too.
1: That's what grown-ups ever were, felt like.
0: So, um... Yeah, I mean, let's start with, I'll try an easy one. Have you guys ever, did you guys ever get to meet him, either of you, or be in the same room? No do a I anything?
1: regret it, because I think the second to last con he ever did was C2E2 last year. And I kept walking by the line, and the line was huge. There had to be a thousand people in line at any given time. I mean even though he was 94 and
0: he was still doing conventions and stuff. It's miraculous, man. Yeah, so I saw him uh just a little over a year ago. I made that's that's the main reason I went to Hasbro's HasCon is they brought him in for that. And you know, I wasn't close to him. I was in basically the arena where the Providence um Providence College basketball and the Providence Bruins hockey team plays. Uh, They had chairs out on the floor. But, you know, I was 30, 40 yards away from him at least. But it was kind of amazing. Like, I could tell that he had sort of rehearsed pieces that he would kind of redo in his brain. I could tell there were certain questions that he couldn't process as well. But he was still really funny and really charming and really, like, on the spot. And it was amazing to me that he was still as capable of doing what he was. Like, the, the nice thing, I think, is... Um, I don't know I know there was lots of rumors and stuff and I really don't want to get into all that but like at least externally it seemed like he did not lose his sharpness like we never got to a point where he was incapable of doing the cameos you know like he still had sort of the energy to do that until he died and I thought that was kind of cool Um, Rian I'm sorry I, I jumped in did you ever get the chance to see Stan in person?
2: uh no I mean, I was at cons where he was, but I I got into this so late, it's not like I idolized him forever, and um, I don't know, I just felt like if he had limited number of people that he could take a picture with, I didn't want to take a slot away from somebody like you guys that, like, for years and years may have wanted to. Um, it just didn't feel like my place. I think that's the only thing in the, like, getting into comics late and everything is, like, the picture with Stan Lee was not my place. Um, and I didn't want to take a place from somebody else. Because, like, every appearance he made and everything seemed like, like, the likely the last time. You know, like, it always, I mean, you guys know. We... Uh, all of you had trauma that every time his name came up in the news alerts it was going to be this news um so
0: yeah and there was that weird period about a year ago where we got these weird things like he was like billed as, like his last yeah, appearance yeah. in New York or whatever do you remember this
2: yeah yeah right. and i mean i think that's um i mean there was a lot of build up like that that he was making his last appearances in places and everything and um And I didn't go to any of his panels or anything like that, but, um, and I kind of thought that like when he went, I mean, I think it was a very, um, lack of drama. There was no news that he went to the hospital. There was no news that he was in critical condition. It was just like, he was gone. Um, there was something very clean about that.
0: Um, there's been a lot of retrospectives and stuff about Stan in the last couple days. Uh, you know, we're recording on Wednesday as we usually do. So he, he passed away about 48 hours ago. Um, as you guys have looked through it and watched some of the videos, read the articles, what do you feel like is the thing that you take out as the thing you want to remember most about Stan and kind of what he did?
2: Um, I think some of our friends have posted just those snippets that he did in the back of comics of, like, Stan soapbox. And, um, I think that's a nice way in this day and age to remember him. And those, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, there's the legacy of what he's created, but there's also the legacy of what he said and how he wasn't afraid to come out and say, like, yes, the stuff I'm doing, it's to send a message. Yes, it's political. Yes, it's, you know, got a moral lesson And don't you dare forget that, or don't you dare try to pretend that isn't the case.
1: Right. And that's the, I mean, you you always see, uh, you guys know how Twitter is in 2018, you know, and it's make comics great again and stuff like that. But it's, it's always been that way since the characters, you know, were started. And I'm almost thankful that those soapboxes started to resurface. Again, because, I mean, those were, what, late 60s, early 70s when those started coming out. And it's been there the whole time. I mean, even even past that, even past all the creations he helped create, I mean, we're talking probably 200-plus characters for Marvel, every single big one. I mean, the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, most of Spider-Man's rogue gallery, you know, Galactus, Doctor Doom, the Humans, you know, all these characters on top of that. I mean, as as a digital media person and as a marketer by trade, you know, he's probably one of the best marketers to ever live in a sense, you know, because he always believed in his product and always peddled his product and always pushed his product. And even past that, you know, he had, he built his own brand out of being I mean, he he stopped working Marvel maybe in the mid-'70s, and since then he was just Stan Lee. You know, he built his own brand, and since, I mean, before can you remember liking comics before movies and stuff were out? You know, it wasn't like this luxurious, cool thing. It, It was nerdy as hell and geeky and all that stuff. And even then, I mean, Stan... Managed to almost make it sexy of sort. There's a there's a pretty good maybe yeah, back there. Uh, it's like Marvel Comics Untold or something like that. It kind of takes through the uh, the journey through Timely Comics and Martin Goodman and through Stan and Jack and pretty much the present day. You know, and somehow even when comics were made for you know the the ragtag teens and misfits and outsiders and stuff like that. Stan still got invited to college campuses to talk about superheroes. Um, it was always kind of that sexiness to it, you know? So I mean, at the end of the day, it's, there's not as many marketers who can market the products as well as Stan could.
0: Yeah. And he always seemed to have, I mean, I don't know how much he pushed into other avenues like television and film and video games, But he was certainly game for it, right? Like, every time that they had an opportunity to try something new with his characters, he was there to, like, do the cameo or do the voice or whatever. Like, it seems like nobody ever had to twist his arm when Lego Marvel superheroes called and, like, Hey, Stan, can you do a voiceover for this video game? He was always like, Yeah, sure. Like, he always liked his characters given new avenues to be shared. And I think that takes some vision. I mean, I can think of some other people, particularly like some of these 80s personalities from like the dark, like, you know, um, Alan Moore and uh, I can't think of other names off the top of my head. But, um, you know, like oh, Daredevil guy, Frank Miller, like, you know, some of these like darker and broody guys that are always like critiquing and being like. Negative about, oh, my character's being sort of twisted and I don't like the way this is done and it's just a money grab and the purity of the comics. And Stan was just never that guy. He was like, hey, if this is a way for more people to enjoy it and even if you're going to have to tweak it and adapt it, like, he wanted it to be shared with people. He was very much a populist that way and I thought that was kind of cool. um But yeah, Rhiannon, like what you said, I mean, that was really the thing that stuck out to me is that Um, You know, and this stuff's hard because I'm sure if you went back and you looked at the way, say, Stan introduced Falcon or the way that he dealt with the civil rights movement in the X-Men comics or didn't do with it. And I know there's lots of debate and there's smarter people than me and I'm sure he didn't do it perfectly. But you read those soapboxes and you see the general tenor of these comics, which are accept people who are different than you. Like, this is a white dude in the mid 1960s. There were a lot of people like Stan that were not going anywhere close to that kind of stuff. And in his comics, he always wanted to say, treat people kindly, treat people with respect. Uh, You know, like for me, the X-Men, I think it's fascinating. The X-Men resonated for some people with civil rights movement, but then resonated again 30 years later with, Uh, the LGBTQ community, right? And, like, some of their issues about coming out as a mutant versus coming out as as gay. Like, I don't think it's a mistake that that material resonated with a new generation and a new challenge. Because I think Stan always believed that comics should teach people to be accepting and kind towards other people. And I don't think it's too much to give him credit for that. Because I think... It would have been really easy in his day and age to not care about those things, and he did. Um, and I think that's kind of what made him cool. Uh, let's, uh, well, let's talk about creations for a minute. Adam, you did a good article over at ComicBook.com uh, about all the different characters that uh, Stan helped create. I mean, you had a list of over 100 of them uh, in the Marvel Universe. Uh, do you guys have a favorite character that Stan created? Good question. I mean, I when it comes to comics,
1: I'm almost a hipster in the sense that I kind of gravitate towards the the characters that are lesser known, and the more niche characters. But I mean, he created. I mean, most Doctor Strange and a Doctor Strange mythos. Um. Say that, like, you guys know I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan and the X-Men while he did create the original five most of I mean Jean Grey and Cyclops of course were, were his or at least co-created with Jack Kirby um, I mean I would probably say Strain. I mean there was can't go wrong with Groot you know he did, he did create Groot back when Groot was a villain um, Hawkeye you know I mean you can't go wrong with Hawkeye man uh, I, there's if I had to choose one, I
2: guess it'd probably be strange. I mean, if if I'm having to choose one, I mean, I, I hate to be so like consistently the same and all that. The daredevil, um, he created daredevil, right? It was him and okay. I was like, oh my god, watch my hot take be awful, um, like it usually is, no. um. But, I mean, like, that character... I mean, if you look at all of his characters, what I think draws people to them, like you were saying, I mean, they're flawed. You know, he didn't create your Superman, your type characters. He created your flawed characters that managed to do amazing things despite being different in some way. Um, And I, you know... Y'all know I love... Daredevil and um Yeah. That's an easy one for me.
1: That was that was almost what that was that predated most of his creations too. I think Daredevil One was like nineteen sixty one. There was
2: Yeah sixty three. So it was still super early. Marvel wanted a character in response to Batman.
0: I, it's maybe not my favorite character he made, but my character, the character I think that like represents what he did the most is Spider Man for me. Like as we talked about in the pod, I find it weird, but I I do think I'm the most spidey guy of the three of us. And the thing is, like to me, Spider Man was the distillation of like everything he did well, like all the sciency stuff from like Fantastic Four to Iron Man to Hulk. That's there with Peter. Uh, you know, the radiation causing superpowers. Um, but also, like, I even think about Daredevil as one of those characters that you always like more when things aren't going well for him, but nobody has worse luck than, than Spider-Man, right? Like, that's the thing, is that classic Parker luck. Like, Spider-Man works when his life is not working the way it's supposed to. Um... And that he's kind of the nerd. He's picked on. The people at school bully him. You know, that plays into a lot of the themes that he did. And so, to me, Spider-Man is the most uh, the most that any character in comics is a mirror. Like, I just so many people look at Spidey and they go, oh, he's me. And it's almost miraculous the number of people who identify with, oh, I feel like I'm Spider-Man. And I think that's what standard really well is to help us feel like superheroes were like us and that's why I think Spider-Man is his ultimate invention because it's the character that we most connect with and to this day it's the one kids connect with right like walking around my neighborhood on Halloween night there was more Spider-Man than any other superhero because it's still like that thing that sells a billion dollars a year in merchandising because for some reason kids see that costume they see that character and they go oh that's me and they've done it consistently now for 55 years or whatever. And that's amazing. Like it's so cool. There's other characters that people like, but like people like Batman, but I don't know how people feel like they are Batman, right? You know, like but Spider-Man is that character that everybody goes like, "Oh, I see myself in him." And how Stan created that uh with obviously with Steve Ditko. I mean, he deserves that credit as well. Like I think that's that's his legacy. I mean Spider Man is the thing he did that'll last forever, so
1: that's I mean that's crazy to think about. If you what other person on this planet has created as many things that will outlive all of us? You know, I mean, like uh Tesla or uh Alexander Graham Bell or Thomas Edison, I mean compare all of their inventions and I know it's kind of apples to oranges. But, I mean, Spider-Man's going to be around much longer than any of us are alive. You can combine that with uh, Hulk and with an Iron Man and with uh, the hundred other characters he made. You know, I mean, what, the biggest characters he did, I mean, pretty much everyone besides Cap. Besides... And he wrote Cap
0: really early, too. Right. Like, from the first Cap before they brought him back in the 60s. so You know,
1: he was made essentially editor-in-chief at 19 years old. Isn't that crazy? That's
0: nuts. I-, I would say, I've been thinking this week, I don't like being too hyperbolic, but the question I've been toying with is, is he the most significant storyteller of the 20th century? Like... I think the Tolkien folks, or, you know, like, I love C.S. Lewis, like he's, I'm a big Lewis guy, but like, I think if you did a top five, like the, the, the the storytellers of the 20th century, Lee's got to be up in there. And I think it's possible, you know, high art isn't always the art that's remembered. It's possible that 200 years from now, Stan Lee will be the most famous author of our century as crazy as that sounds to, like, the literature people, I think there's a possibility.
1: That's, you know, that's kind of the feeling I get from it, too. You know, I guess novelists don't... I don't know, at least to me, I just assume, you know, you know like a Stephen King kind of looks down upon comic book writers. Even though more and more novelists are starting to write comic books. Um
0: and vice versa. Was, like, right. Neil, Ga- Neil Gaiman has done pretty well as a novelist after he right. moved there from comic books.
1: Right. Like, the uh, Black Bolt writer, Solidon, Solidine, Ahmed. Yeah. Um, now he's writing for TV. Um, the guy that's doing this Iron Fist digital comic was a novelist. Um, so I think it's getting better, but it almost just seems like it's kind of not the same. It almost seems like. Uh, MLB and minor league type setup you know I mean to me it's clear there are two different ways to tell stories and one's not better than the other I don't know I guess I just always kind of got that assumption from looking from the outside in maybe I'm completely wrong Charles Soul just dropped a novel didn't he he's
2: had one out a while Oracle you I saw it in a thrift shop this past weekend
1: and you you didn't buy it
2: I was doing a lot of walking around and I didn't want to carry it, but the thrift shops nearby, they had Kristen Ritter's novel and Charles Soule's novel. So I started to wonder whose collection this
1: was.
0: (laughs) Uh, So Stan also, obviously most directly to what we talk about on this podcast, did so many, all those cameos, you know, people have had the videos out this week of kind of putting all the cameos together. Uh, do you guys have a favorite Stan Lee cameo?
1: I mean, I really enjoyed his poor Rock one. I think that was one of the most humorous ones. Either that or the strip club in Deadpool 2. Or Deadpool. Excuse
2: me. I'm going to go with Mallrats.
0: Oh, wow. outside the box. Jeep cut. Yeah, holy cow. Well,
2: I mean, but I would have to say that's like the first time... I ever heard about Stan Lee. I mean, I thought it was so cool that this movie, like, I knew he was a very, I don't know, like, I knew he was a legend. I knew he was, like, a big deal. I knew it was a very big deal that he was in that movie. But it was, like, my introduction to Stan Lee.
0: I think my favorite is Guardians 2. I mean, for a long time, there was this idea that maybe Stan was a watcher, and I-, I like that it created, like, a unified theory of the Stan cameos, and it sort of, like, explains in-universe why he shows up in different places, and so it kind of validates the fact that he's there. It's not just, like, a kind of funny thing or just, like, a cute thing, but actually, like, makes sense in canon, so to speak, you know? So, like, I don't know. That's what uh, one of my faves
1: see we have to we gotta listen back to the pre-Guardians 2 pods because I'm sh- pretty sure I dropped that theory before that saying how Stan was the same character in every hey cameo. man if you wanna
0: listen to those old pods good luck no, you, don't, that's you why play, I suggested you find you be the, on the, you you the
2: clip and I'll make a little video clip of it and
1: you can spread it around no but then I'd get yelled at like the Ant-Man post-credit
0: thing <laughs> Um, along the lines of the cameos, uh, I know Rhiannon, you've talked about your theory on this. Um, we do, we think that, uh, I believe I've heard that Captain Marvel and Avengers four were in the can so that those are probably his last two cameos. Uh, how do they handle this? Do they try to continue that tradition? Um, how would you like some people have said like CGI Stan, Would that feel uncomfortable for you? Is there there somebody else to put in there as the new stand Like, what's your thoughts?
1: I mean, I don't think... I mean, they're not doing... They didn't want to touch, you know, CGI and Carrie Fisher, so I'm not sure they would want to do a digital stand or not. I'm totally on board with Rhiannon's theory, though. Well, I mean, not
2: the theory that you guys are referring to, but... um... I also, I think they recorded, I mean, they talk about he recorded, like, several cameos ahead of time. Like, he would go to Atlanta and film, like, five cameos at once. But didn't one of the directors once say that they filmed Stan just doing a bunch of different random cameos that could be used in anything?
0: I don't remember that but I feel like I read somewhere that they did have them sit down to get enough footage that they could do like a facial recreation if they wanted. Uh, I, I do already this week and Adam, maybe, you know, the exact quote Feige was asked about it. and He kind of just said like, we have a plan, but I wouldn't tell you cause Stan like surprising people. If we had like, if Stan before he died basically said like, I'd love you to recreate me digitally. Like, I'd be cool with it. Like, it's 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 his likeness, and if he like he signed off on it, given the kind of showman that he was, if like there's a video of him like talking on camera, and it's like, "Listen, I love to live forever. That would be cool. Go ahead and use me. Like, then I'd be okay with it." I don't know. Maybe other people wouldn't like it, but if Stan was up for it, I, and I could almost see him kind of doing it because he was just such a ham, you know?
1: Yeah. You say it like that, I'd be on board with that. I don't know. I just don't want the decision to come from elsewhere. You know, there's plenty of people in that camp that have already talked about doing stuff in terms of characters and IP and, and things of that nature. You know, it's, it almost feels dirty if Stan didn't give his blessing ahead of time. Which, like you said, I mean, that that's totally something he could or he would have done.
2: And I'm sorry, I haven't looked at the news reports. I mean, but, like, other than the fact that he was 95 years old, and anybody at 95 years old is, um yeah, in a delicate health, was there a known, like, illness or anything? Like, did he know? Could they have been preparing because he knew his time was short?
1: Well, the, uh, the, so last Saturday... Uh, I mean, he was at a home and he met with Roy Thomas, who took over his job as editor-in-chief. And Roy released a statement. It was kind of a peculiar statement because Roy said that by their conversation, Roy had the clear understanding that Stan was ready to leave Earth. So I'm not sure if Stan was sick or if Roy was just being super, super blunt in his statement. Um, but yeah, I mean, there hadn't been any news. I mean, there was one time, like, last year that Stan was rushed to a hospital or was admitted or something like that because of pneumonia or, or something of that nature, but I don't think there was a terminal illness in the works. Or at so least it's not like size.
2: David Bowie, where he knew he was dying for a year and he could prepare a album to be released right after his death. Like, I could see the Stanley equivalent of that being preparing his cameos
0: yeah i mean the fact that they started doing the cameos though three or four at a time yeah and one of the cameos i think it was infinity war they had to delay it because he got sick and he couldn't travel or they had to move it or something i forget he also had a bunch of con conventions that he had to like cancel because of health like that's not the same as I have a terminal illness, but when those things start happening in your 94, 95, I think you start thinking about the end, right? Like,
1: right. I mean, in this day and age, 95 is one hell of a life, right? (laughs) Like that's, that's probably more than enough. As crude as it sounds, it's, it's a good
0: life. The last question I had was, um, is there anybody in the Marvel world for you that could pick up this baton? Like, who is sort of the face or the showman that kind of becomes Marvel's lovable figurehead at this point? Is there anybody in your mind? I have one, but I'm interested in your guys' take.
2: Wait, both of you, both of you, like, hinted at my cameo idea, Rihanna's cameo idea and stuff. I mean, and for those... You should say that, that
0: for the listeners.
2: Yeah, I was about to say, like, those that haven't heard the several times i've mentioned it i want it to be deadpool (laughs) i want just like a gratuitous deadpool appearance in every movie no reason at all but okay but as far as somebody charismatic that's not deadpool
0: yeah and not so much even film cameo but like the person that kind of is the standard barrier is like the marvel guy so to speak
1: you're talking like the over, like overall Marvel brand, not just the like MCU. Or
0: yeah, however anything. you want to Is answer that what it. you're saying.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I don't. I mean, when people say you know, like a, a brand ambassador for Marvel, I mean, people would probably almost instantly think of Feige. You know, I mean, since then, what what huge. I mean, name the editors-in-chief of Marvel Comics. You know, after Stan, it was Roy Thomas. And after Roy, it was, I think, Jim Shooter or something. And then, I mean, I can name the last three of them, but none of them are even close. I mean, maybe, like, a guy like Joy, Joe Casano. You know, I mean, he's he's a pretty big comic name, uh, and he's very close to Stan. I mean, you got Roy Thomas is still alive, Um there's all sorts of, yeah, there, there's all sorts of writers and artists and things of that nature. But in terms of overall Marvelnicity or Marvelicity or whatever you want to call it, you know, Joe's more than an artist and more than a writer. You know, he's he's a creator. He's, I mean, he's chief creative officer still, right? So I would guess, yeah, I would say probably is as close to Stan as we're going to get. I mean, Axel Alonso or... CV was
0: supposed still have a ways to go. Go ahead, and Do you have something you want to say on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I just... Casada's who I went to as far as a personality and stuff that that associated with comics and... But I think... I mean, but he didn't create a hundred characters. You know, I think nobody will replace Stan Lee's place in the universe as sort of the grandfather of everything. Um... I think the voice. You know, I mean, I think Feige carries on the creative, you know, mastery when it comes to, like, while Feige may not have created a hundred characters, he's brought a hundred characters to life in a way that honored what Stan created. But Kasada goes out and he has the fan, you know, he goes to the conventions, he has his Cup of Joe panels, he... um I think when it comes to continuing the spirit of what Stan started, and uh, you know, if anybody was to come out and do a soapbox type thing, I I would expect it to be Joe right now, to be somebody that's been there enough and be willing to take whatever heat comes from it. Um. And and I think you know they all they all learned from stan so while you won't have another person that has his charisma and his creativity and you know everything that he did like you can see a little bit of everything that he did in these successors
0: yeah see i was thinking if you want a prolific creator i mean brian michael bendis is really the (laughs) i'm just (laughs) all right see you guys i'm just messing with you adam (laughs) No I, mean, I really, no,
1: I really love
0: that you guys went to that? Joe because that's exactly what I've been thinking this week is Casada is a guy that worked his way through. He did the creative side. He's done the executive side. He's done the conventions. Uh, he has been kind of stands handler lately for lack of a better term, right? He's the guy who often interviews him at the cons and kind of talks to him. And so, yeah, I mean, at this point, Quesada has been around long enough and has done enough with the company that when they need like an affable, enjoyable person whose personality people like, and who's good about talking about comics and had a personal connection with Stan, like Joe Casada is that guy. And I'm sure he would really blush at like this mention, but I think it is illustrative that all three of us went there as soon as I kind of asked that question. Um, And I would just say, like, I would love for Joe to, like, step up into that. Like, I think it would be really cool if every time you need a Marvel guy, Joe kind of do it his own way. But, like, finds a way to kind of have that same spirit of Stan as, like, the showman who always puts Marvel front and center. And I think he could definitely handle that. So, do you guys have anything else on Stan before we wrap the show up?
2: Just, there was one. I shared it on Twitter there was a, um, uh, cartoonist that did just a little panel that said, you know, that had like Stan going into heaven and the voice of God saying, you're not so bad at creating universes yourself. Yeah. And that is the one thing like that was really, that's the one thing that touched me this week because there's tons of remembrance type things going around. Like that one hit me the hardest.
0: I think the bow that I wanted to put on this is um, I think the maybe the best thing Stan ever wrote was that with great power comes great responsibility, and so uh you know, if you're like us and you're touched by Stan and his work, just live that way this week, you know, like you have privilege and power in your life, you know you've got your money and your your position in people's lives and in families and in workplaces. And that is not just a privilege that you have, but it's a responsibility you have to treat people right. So, um, if you want to be like Stan and you want to like honor his memory, go out and be really responsible people who use that in a way that builds other people up instead of tearing them down. All right. Um, before we all start sobbing uncontrollably, let's go to the mailbag, um, Last week's episode we had was, um, I can't even... Oh, Feige mistakes. Uh, Love Waffle had a really good bit on there that he thinks Thor is generally Feige's biggest mistake. And he sort of catalogs Thor, Thor the Dark World, which, by the way, was, I think, the worst production Marvel ever had. They had Patty Jenkins on it, right? And then she left, and then they brought in Alan Taylor, and then a lot of people hate that movie, And then he points to how even in Avengers movies, Thor really didn't have anything to do for the first couple of those. You know, like, and basically his theory is that Thor is the character that Feige doesn't get. And the only reason that Thor was as good as he was recently is because Taika Waititi came in and fixed Feige's Thor problem. And since then, Thor's been a lot more usable and the Russo brothers were able to continue what Feige, or uh, Waititi set up. And I just thought that was a very insightful, interesting comment. So, uh, thanks to the people on Twitter who are enjoying the Brewster interview. As Rhiannon said, she kind of took those clips and did this kind of videoization thing that we've got, and that's been really good. Thanks for all the uh, likes and ats and all that kind of stuff. Um, 084 was talking about Daredevil three, and uh, he also felt the connection with the Pulse uh, nightclub shooting that you mentioned Rhiannon with all the phones and that scene, uh, uberco and Eric H, uh, suggested this pod topic. So thank you for that guys. And also thank you to Mr. Media for, uh, doing a follow Friday. I think that's what hashtag FF means where he wanted to, uh, encourage people to follow us. So thanks a lot. So Michael T Ford asks, uh, if you had to choose between losing Spidey to Sony's, uh, UCM, uh, and the UCM movies, joining Spidey in the MCU, which would you rather have happen? What do you think, guys?
1: Uh, I would rather have them join the MCU. That's a, that's a no-brainer, isn't it?
2: So that would be like I'm Venom gonna... in the MCU?
1: Yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, I, I'm not a huge Spidey fan, so I mean, I would be heartbroken if Tom Holland left, but I mean, if you introduce Venom, I think Venom could make, uh, I mean, eventually it would be an awesome Thunderbolts Or even with their thing about doing the Dark Avengers, I think that'd be killer in there. Plus, I've always wanted them to do a horror aspect of it. You know, they said Doctor Strange was going to kind of straddle that line, but it didn't. So, I mean, Morbius in the MCU, I mean, it would give us reason to have a blade and such.
0: Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, you can interact with us a lot of ways. Send us messages on Twitter at Marvel Newsdesk. Also, communicate with us via our MarvelNewsDesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, give us some money over at Patreon.com slash Newsdesk. You'll get access to our special MV... MCU Film Ranking episode, as well as our uh, other annual episode that's coming up very soon. Those are available to Patreon supporters only, as well as getting early access to things like our uh, Road to Infinity War Supercut. Uh, like us on facebook.com slash Marvel Newsdesk, Subscribe to the YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Help the show be more visible to others by giving us a five-star review on iTunes. And most importantly, just keep on listening and telling your friends. We appreciate that a lot. Thanks to Kim... Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him at Tim V Cox. And also thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find his music uh, on a variety of social media platforms at the Skull School. Uh, Thanks, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. A quick programming note. I lied. We won't see you next week. We're taking next week off for Thanksgiving. So uh, have a good time. Those of you who are going to go see your families and all that stuff, be safe and travel well. And we will see you uh, not next week, but in December.